Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And this week we're going to spend a little time talking about what we've been watching recently. We're going to discuss some film news from the past month once again. And then do a full film review and get get into some food for thought provided by Willie if he can think of a question because he probably hasn't thought about it yet. But Don't judge uh, me. Get back in the swing. Don't judge me. Swing this, things. This week our full review is Catherine Bigelow's Zero Dark Thirty. Captain Bigelow. Is that what you said? <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> Captain Bigelow. She's going to change her name to Captain Bigelow. Captain Bigelow's Fantastic Zero idea. Dark Thirty. All right, so, Willie, what have you been watching? I just had a fantastic double feature last night, and I haven't watched these movies in a long time, and I was really into them. Young Guns 1 and (laughs) 2. Nice. Uh, Both. Back to back, literally. Like, one ended and two began. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) No transition. The only transition that happened was me taking the first one out and putting the second one in. (laughs) Damn. Just enough time should've to breathe. Should have had a second player on standby. And just Ready to roll. And it just yep. rolls right seamlessly. <laughs> I should have edited a cut where they're seamlessly integrated. <laughs> um, no, God, they I love They take place guns. concurrently in parallel universes. Hey, hey. I, uh, theories are... I'm fully open to theories about the two Fringe films. Young Guns. Um, no, uh, Young Guns is a lot of fun. I like Young Guns. I've never seen either it, Young Guns film. Neither I. I mean, it's... You can't compare it to, like, Unforgiven or... You know, Wyatt Earp or any of these like big sweeping westerns because it's not. I think it's one really... of the more like popcorn. Yeah, it's just fun. But what's funny is the first Young Guns is actually actually. Shout out to Lou Diamond Phillips, but oh, he's amazing. He's so good. Um, as Chavez, Chavez. I read a rumor online the other day that he died, and I was like, I'd be that happens all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> to him? No, no, well, no, but anyway. Um, yeah, no. It's uh, always those brilliant Young actors, Guns though. 1 and 2. You think it might be possible. You're like, oh, <laughs> I heard be. Vince Vaughn died a few weeks ago, but that didn't happen. Um, yeah, no. Young Guns 1 and 2 are awesome. And what's funny is when I was a kid, um, I, I never was as big on Young Guns 2 because there's... Can we spoil Young Guns at this point? Yeah, you can. I'm pretty sure you can spoil Okay, Young well, there's Guns. a couple characters I really like in Young Guns 1 that die in Young Guns 2. Okay. <sighs> And it bummed me out. You know, as a yeah. kid, I was like, no! Yeah. You know? They die in the movie, or is it just between movies? They're like, oh, they die. No, they die during Young Guns 2, but it's just, it's brutal, because you follow these guys through, like, two movies. Yeah. Like. Um, and, uh, but I, I watched Young Guns 2 last night, obviously, and it was, like, way better than I remember. Like, it's, like, when you watch them back-to-back, Young Guns 2 is, like, so much bigger, and, yeah. like, the 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 scenery and the music and everything it's much more of like a sweeping western feel to that one it takes itself a little more seriously than Young Guns 1 does interesting but I like them both I don't know it's yeah Young Guns seriously. and I, if, if they made I was thinking it got me thinking because Young Guns is essentially okay we're gonna make a western okay how are we gonna sell a western in, in the 80s cast every Everybody. single hot actor <laughs> from yeah. that time every period every young heartthrob every one of them so and then Young Guns 2 came around, and they're like, okay, well, we killed a few people off, so let's just take the rest of the hot people for the, in the time and put them in Young Guns 2. And it, I was wondering, I was thinking to myself, if they were to make Young Guns now, <laughs> who would be in it? I know who I would want in it. Channing Tatum. <laughs> Garrett Hedlund. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I just was thinking about it. There's... Because they kind of made a weird one in the in the 90s that didn't take off, like late 90s, called like Texas Rangers or something like that. Yeah, that's right. And it was like Vanderbeek. Ashton Kutcher, Vanderbeek, Usher. Usher. <laughs> like, 
Wasn't Dylan McDermott in it? Yeah. He was like the out of place Rachel one. Lee Cook, you know, like all like the... Yeah. But it wasn't good. I mean, I, I, I actually, I've never seen it. So I, I don't know if it would good. be a good movie, but I would watch a Channing Tatum, Garrett Hedlund Western. The, that Taylor the, Kitsch? Yes, that's, that was it. That was it. We're, we're back on the wavelength, That's man. amazing. We are back on the wavelength. But are they hot young actors, though? Because a lot of these guys haven't had great box office returns besides Channing Tatum. They're hot to me. But then again, there were a couple guys Chris, in Young Chris Guns Pine. One. There were a couple guys in Young Guns One that weren't um, Tom Hardy. Would that weren't as down. big because I don't think Dermot Mulroney was all that big during that point in time, and he was probably not. Dermot. And then um, <clears throat> Casey Size Mosco. I don't even probably know who that at is. Me going, Who's that? Exactly. So you know, but there's a lot of really cool cameos in Young Guns too. I forgot about Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> Boom in it. Uh, Terry O'Quinn's in the first one. Wow. Um, are these cameos or are they bit parts? They're, are they just they're not tiny... cameos. They're, they're smaller parts. Okay. Uh, James Coburn. Yeah. Nice. Um, there's some really cool. Terrence Stamp is in the first one. It's awesome. It's pretty sweet. Jack Palance. Yeah, lots of good, lots of good little bit parts. I'll there. I'll have to give them a watch. They're fun. I do want to watch and, them. And honestly, Emilio is <laughs> really really good. Like yeah. really really good. Super charismatic, but super like. Always is. Crazy, you know, yeah. like he's all over the place. So. Young Guns is awesome. Very cool. Bon right. Jovi is awesome. Well, <laughs> given. Okay, back then he was awesome. Before he was in. Dude, this is pay this it is forward. Wanted dead or alive, Bon Jovi. <laughs> Super cool. All right, Nick, what you been watching? I have primarily been watching Sons of Anarchy. I How's am that? on season five now, and according to my Netflix queue, I started season one. On December twenty first, so I've been, so been trucking through. the hell yeah. along. Um, it is it is really good. It's it's cool in that like Breaking Bad, it does not waste any time. Like some crazy stuff goes down in season one, okay. where you're like, wow, these are things that a normal show would prolong like a season or two. And then in the middle, it kind of slowed down, and some things that probably should have happened didn't happen until late season four, or early season five. But it is good, um, and none of the characters are. Uh, they're they're a weird mix of like endearing and like loathes them at the same time. So it's it's well written in that regard. Um, How's my boy Harold Perrineau? But it's got a lot of good. Uh, it's got a lot of good good performances in it. Perrineau, I did not know was in it until and the character he plays when they were when they were hyping up this character, I was picturing like not Harold Perrineau. This is what you spoiled earlier. And then he pops up. <laughs> you know, Harold Perrineau does not get eaten by a bear in Sons of Anarchy. That's a difference. That is a different. Uh, <laughs> A different um, film slash maybe a TV show. But anyway, you, you're not aware of when this is? When Harold Perrineau gets eaten by a bear? No, he didn't. Because he thought I... Sp- he goes, we just spoil it. I'm like, you don't know what I'm talking about. He's like, Lost. I'm like, nope. nope. He faces a bear in Lost and he Stares wins. it down. Yeah. He comes back and fights a bear after um, he's eaten by it in a previous role. Now you're going to be playing. This is redemption. <laughs> full circle. Uh... But it, it is it is a cool show. I like it. <laughs> now he has to play a bear. <laughs> it'll be. F- <laughs> he has to be a guy who eats a bear, and then it'll be. Even. Oh man! Okay. And then I rewatched uh, I rewatched Indie Game the movie, and that was really good. And it reminded me of how much I need to watch more documentaries. Yeah. And I think that's about it. I haven't really been. Oh, and I've I watched all of season four of the League as well, and it just reinforced my love for. Good, like semi-scripted comedies. Yeah, it's a really, really fun show to watch, and it's cool that the 
small the characters who should have worn out their welcome by now are only getting better yeah it's very unusual because i remember when i started watching the show i was like okay these two characters are gonna get old really quick but they haven't so that's it's really cool there's a lot of really really smart comedic minds on that show and it, it's really sharp and I'm, I'm just scared for the day that it starts to wind down but i mean just season four was the one that just finished i think each season is getting better than the previous i think everybody involved would rather call it a quits early i think so too and I think so. it's cool that because it's semi-scripted, they obviously all have some say yeah. in what where the show, not necessarily where it goes, but where <clears throat> what their characters do. How the do. scene plays out. Yeah, and each actor seems to be getting more and more aware of what their character is exactly. Yeah. And it's it's really, really funny. I mean, there's a couple characters on that show that are going to go down as some of my favorite TV characters of all time. I also think it's really intriguing that it seems like the season runs concurrently with a lot of the football season. Yeah. And it's interesting because when they do the draft at the beginning of each season, the football season has really only just begun, sort of. So they don't necessarily know where no. where yeah. the show is going to end up because it follows real life. And like example, I remember reading about Adrian Peterson tore his ACL last year, and in the pilot or in the the opener of season four. Uh, someone says that. They're like, why on earth would you draft Adrian Peterson in the first round? He's like, no running back has ever recovered from a torn ACL the first season back. And they were like, oh, I've got a good feeling about it or whatever. And then he went on in real life this year to have an incredible yeah. season that no one anticipated. He was like, he came out like on top at the end of the year. And uh, and then in the show reflects it because when Pete meets him, he's like, dude, you single-handedly like carried my team all the way and no one had any faith in it but me or whatever. And Adrian Peterson's like, yeah, man, just you know, had a good year or whatever. <laughs> And I just think that's really cool that the show has real-world ties. It's kind of neat. That's interesting. I hope it doesn't make it weirdly dated in a couple of years. Like, if new people discover the show and they're like, oh, I can't relate to this because it actually happened a couple of years I ago. Think you know it'll, what I, mean? I think that's probably a level... Because I'm somebody who will appreciate the league, but I could not care less about football. Right. So it's something extra that you're getting out of it, but it's not something that will detract from other people's... You well, that's, that's always been an interesting <clears throat> facet of the show is that in season one, I loved because it had all these funny football references and, all, mm-hmm. and some of them went over my head, but I still laughed that the show revolved, revolved around it. And the reason I think season two is the, the worst season is because it stepped away from that a little bit and became too always sunny. A little broad. Yeah. And then it, in season three, it reined it back into like being league centric and having a lot of football involved. And I, I think that's, that's what the show was based around. You should maintain that. Yeah. And it's only, it's only intensified from there. So I think that's really good. Plus the show's getting more and more popular. They're getting more and more like legit football stars in it yeah which makes me laugh because i'm like to me it's still like a small show like it's not on the always sunny level of people's minds but anyway so that's been a lot of fun to watch that and sons of anarchy are obviously super different that's been a fun uh juxtaposition very cool but sons of anarchy i mean ron perlman yeah he's such a beast i want to see everything ron perlman's in now (laughs) You should watch Beauty and the Beast with him and uh, <laughs> Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton next. It's on Netflix, I think. <laughs> Dude, awesome. Watch it. And Rick and I were spending a day just like sending each other pictures of Ron Perlman's face back and forth. <laughs> and he's uh, the guy is just so good. And I didn't realize it until actually this the season five of Sons of Anarchy, what a legit good actor he is. Because yeah. his character takes a turn in a way that really brings out the acting in him. And I was like, geez, like, the guy is, is a legitimately really good actor. And it made me yearn for Hellboy 3 even more than I already was, which was considerable. So I I'm looking forward to see what he's up to in Pacific Rim. 
Just, it's cool because uh, uh, Charlie Hunnam, the lead from Sons of Anarchy, is in Pacific Rim. He's the yeah. lead in Pacific Rim. And now I just read that he's signed on for Guillermo's next movie, so it yeah. looks like he's kind of roping him into the... Into the fold. And the two of them have a really good on-screen chemistry on Sons, and I'm hoping they do in Pacific Rim and whatever else they... Because I'm sure Ron will be in whatever Guillermo's next movie is. It's called Crimson something. Crimson... Tied to the streets. <laughs> the straights. Crimson Rim. <laughs> um, Rimson. Anyway, that's that. Very cool. I I watched a lot of movies like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can do the quick rundown. Silver Linings Playbook was good. David O. Russell sucks, so he's got no part to do with that. Lincoln was okay. Not what I wanted. Um, Don't you dare. <laughs> Dread was amazing. <laughs> I just got a hold of that, and uh, I can't wait to watch it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> Comic Con episode four is a pretty cool documentary. Didn't we? Didn't we run down this whole list on the last episode? No, I I told you guys beforehand. Before, before yeah. we recorded. Right. Um, fell asleep during Beasts of a Southern Wild, but that wasn't the movie's fault. And then Django was awesome, and since then I watched. A uh, little bit of Pushing Daisy Season 2, which is amazing, because Lee Pace is amazing, and Brian Fuller's amazing, and everybody involved is pretty amazing. I miss so. Dead Like Me so much. I've never watched any Dead Like Me, so... Dude. I will get to it at some point in the future, but... Um, other than that, I don't think there's a whole lot that I've been watching. So, we can move right into the film news. Yeah. Ahead of schedule. Yes. Um, <coughs> so it's not in any particular order. It's kind of in reverse co- chronological order, I suppose. Um, just today we heard that Toby Jones will be back as our name Zola. Was it confirmed, confirmed? Because yes. I read that he said, oh, I might be. Yeah, and then and then he had stated later that, yes, he will be. Hmm. So. That so, Marvel contacted him and said, yeah, you're going to be in it. He will be in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Tobes. Sequel to Captain America, The First Avenger. Um, pretty small part in Captain America, The First Avenger. Largely, small, but largely relatively, fan service. But relatively important to the storyline. Well, Mostly. And, yeah. To some of the events that take place. Namely, yeah. namely the plunge off of a train and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and so <clears throat> I think it'll... It's cool that they're going to be able to go back and flesh it out a little more. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if now that, that we've got... Obviously, we've got Sebastian Stan coming back um, and, you know, Chris Evans and now Toby Jones. I wonder if it'll kind of make... Captain America uh, First Avenger even cooler. You know, like... like That's... Yeah. I think... <clears throat> Not that I didn't because like one First of them, Avenger. But. No, spoiler alert for Captain America the First Avenger, but Bucky's death is one of the worst things about that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't... Not Okay, not his death, but Bucky as a character is one of the worst things about that movie. Because... He's very pushed aside. You don't get to know him. No. You don't understand Mm-mm. why it hurts Steve so much. I still don't think... No, I think maybe. Evans did a good job with, with showing being distraught about it. I don't think that was anything to do with Evans. No, not. it's nothing to do with Evans. It's everything to do with the script. Yeah, in that it's sense. it's 
Yeah. And there may there may be a large possibility that Sebastian Stan just didn't get a chance to really spread his wings, but I was not in any way impressed with him throughout yeah. the movie. He was very like you can a, a really really awesome actor can be in a movie for that short a time and totally make you go, that guy was awesome. Yeah, and uh, I did not feel that at all from him. So I think be... it's hard to get somebody that awesome who's also in that age range and in the same physical I, shape. I think that, that you if, want if. If Marvel didn't like or didn't see potential in him, they would have recast. Yeah, that's true. For, for the second movie, so he must be doing something. Maybe so. That they that's like. a good point. Because they have no problem with Winter, recasting. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier looks so one hundred percent different from Bucky. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, older Bucky, basically. So I, I was, uh, I was totally game for a, a recast. I was actually hoping for it because I wanted the character to look completely different. We should say Bucky is the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah. For those listening who don't know, but yeah. I'm pretty sure Tim knows, so we're probably good. <laughs> the audience uh-huh. knows. Yes. Yeah. The whole of the audience. All right. Well, I mean, it's, it's minor cool. news. I, I mean, I hope it doesn't mean that we have no Zemo, because I really want to see Zemo. I'd love to see Zemo. I but think Zemo, we'll certainly, if he doesn't happen in this one, which it's looking like he probably won't, but if it doesn't happen in this one, then he'll certainly be there for the third one. I was kind of hoping for the reverse, that we'd get Zemo first and Winter Soldier in the third but I mean, they might be setting up Bucky to be a potential Avenger in a future installment. Well, and, true. and Faggy was really, really psyched for the Russo brother thing. So I'm hoping I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and hope that he he's not just trying to get people excited. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. It's it's, it's gonna be an interesting I movie. Forgot about it the Russo it makes me thing. the most nervous out of all the stuff coming yeah. up from Marvel Studios. Yeah, so. just like the first time around, though. Wasn't it the property you were the most nervous for? No, no actually Thor. Thor, Thor, Thor I was more worried about. You can but play up a World War II story. Yeah. It, easier than you can. Worst comes to worst, yeah, they could just true. default to the, it's a war movie thing. Yeah. But um, Thor was a little bit different. That was actually <clears> the thing about Captain America I wanted more of, was the actual war moments. The whole montage of him really meshing with the Howling Commandos yeah. is the best part awesome. of the movie. It's awesome. Yeah. So good. That's why I want to see news returning Neil McDonough. Yeah. Just, yeah. Hey, Dum Dum's here. Cool. Neil's back. Let's do it. I shouldn't even explain it. He's just the character. <laughs> he just shows up with the same outfit, same shotgun. <laughs> What's going on? Fresh out of the time capsule. Amazing. Mm. All right. Um, so next up, something that I personally want to talk about. The Totally Rad shows Dan Trachtenberg, who was their kind of movie expert. Uh, he directed a short film based on Portal. And he did a lot of the uh, alternate reality game stuff for Hellboy 2, actually. But um, he, Dan Trachtenberg, will be directing Why the Last Man, which is a comic book series. Have you read any of it? I have. How, how do you feel about the series in general? It's cool. I mean, I haven't gotten nearly far enough in it to call yeah. myself uh, a buff. But I read, I think, the first two trades. I think there's 13. 11, Something like 11, that. 11 or 13. Yeah. Just over 10. Maybe 12. Anyway. Um, it's very cool. It's a really cool premise. And the uh, a lot of the execution is really neat. A lot of the things surrounding it. I mean, attempting to make a movie out of it is going to be insane. Because yeah. it's so long. But I, I, it makes me think it's going to be Why the Last Man pretty much in name only. I mean, they might take some really, Absolutely not. really broad... I'll tell you that it will not be in name only. There is no way that Dan Trachtenberg would make that movie if he wasn't going to do Why the Last Man the movie. Hmm. 
That's a pretty bold There is a podcast episode in 2006 before the Totally Rad show of him professing his love for Why the Last Man. And now he has been picked to be the director for Yeah, Why that's the all Last well Man. and good, but there's it's impossible to make an adaptation of a story that big unless they're only going to take the first graphic Yeah, maybe novel. they're just going to find it's not going to be beginning to end. I mean, because look mean? what happened to Watchmen. It's 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 attempt to be faithful is its best suit and its worst at the same time. I don't think it's going to be... It's the not going to be in name only. But I don't... It's not... They're not going to try and encapsulate 13 books into one movie. It'll be... This will be book one. Book two could be the next movie. I don't that's know, what man. they're going to do because they want to make a cash cow. Sure. But that's that's a really flawed game plan in itself i think because what if the movie sucks i mean unless they find it but that's how they can find a cool place to i mean i'm sure there's some places in the book i haven't read it but where you could end a movie and it would still feel like a a story i just don't think anybody should make any assumptions on what the story is going to be because i think it's a extreme possibility they might they might make the first trade they might group broad story i mean there's so much that happens in the first two trades alone that it's it's going to be impossible to it's going to be a, a chore to, to make a movie out of it a good movie out of it i'm sure i so mean it might end up being like broad stuff from the first three trades they might take one story thread from the first trade and make that into the movie i just think it's it's a really scary uh property to try to adapt we should say the synopsis for the series is uh the only man to survive after the apparent simultaneous death of every male mammal on Earth is why his name's York. He's a young man, and he's the only man that is left on the on the planet. And that kind of encapsulates all kinds of social issues and yeah, it's, it's very sociopolitical. Yeah, like a lot of what happens. So I'm ex- I mean, I think it's it's a great uh, it's a great property to try to adapt but i think that they're going to need to divert from the comic quite a bit to make it successful because if it's a straight lift from a comic it's going to go the way of harry potter where like fans really love it but other people are going to go what the hell is this you know i i am not if there's i think he will be faithful to the comic while adapting it to a movie i don't think he'll fall into the watchman trap because he's he's like he's wanted to be a movie director since he was like a kid, so like his passion for film and his passion for the things that he loves, like Portal and you know this, I think he's going to be able to meld the two together in a pretty interesting way. I mean, I hope it's it's quite a gamble to throw a property like that at someone who's never directed a feature before. I mean, it's going to be a huge juggling act. To yeah, I hope there's a really really solid script in place. Or is he co-writing? Or um, I don't know if we know much about that yet, but we just know that he's directing for sure. I think there might be a little bit more. I hope it's I'll cool. Take a look. I mean, I I know I was one of the few people who was not super impressed with the Portal short. I mean, I thought it was neat, but people were treating it like it was the second coming, and I was like, it's not that cool. <laughs> it's it's cool. It's like test footage, though. I didn't see it. I it's it neat, but it's it's very unportally. Okay. I guess that's the thing I was kind of bummed about. It was it had like elements of Portal, but it was almost more like a Half Life short in tone. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I haven't watched it. The effects were kind of cool. <clears throat> I've watched. It was some... definitely low budge, but I, I like. I was more impressed by Neil Blomkamp's Halo stuff by far. Okay. 
Yeah, some of the Halo stuff. Jericho really writers, cool. Matthew Fetterman and Steven Skaya. Jericho, wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> They're rewriting the script. From... I mean, it's it's. I mean, the guy's never made a movie, and I can already tell you, it's an infinitely better choice than DJ Caruso. DJ Caruso <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. So that was a movie I was not gonna see. That was the former. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. I mean, I, I hope it's good. It's interesting. It's just such a. It's such a rich. It's such a great property to try to adapt. I would. I would rather it be a TV series, though, for sure. That's what some people were saying is that it would be a cool HBO. It series. would lend itself way better to that. For sure, than a movie. But like I said, we'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what the hell it's gonna be? All right. Um, Jurassic Park four set for 2014. Cool. Next. Um, cool. Did they say no. who's directing? Is Spielberg coming back? No, no director attached. No. Yeah. No. So no cast. It nothing. could happen, but I'm down. I hope it's. I hope it's different enough. William H Macy ones. returning. I'm just <laughs> why, kidding. Hey, why not? Maybe. Peter no, I hope corpse. it's. <laughs> I hope it's. Uh, <laughs> Different enough from the other ones. I hope we see something a little different. Holy I don't want to see Alice Howard returning. I don't want to see, see like a hard like mercenaries go to the island to try and wipe them out or something. I, I just don't want to see <laughs> just another napalming. <laughs> I don't want to see another nuke the island. Like tour group goes to the not that they were all tour groups, but another group of like ill-equipped people goes to the island and really cocksure people right, that are like exactly. oh, is it gonna be dinosaurs? Hey, they're no. cute. Let's pet them. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want. It'd be that cool anymore. if it was like a Far Cry Three type of thing where it's like a bunch of people get like twenty somethings yeah. like almost make it like a horror movie with dinosaurs. Like yeah. a group of kids are parasailing and they get trapped. Because the I, the thing I really enjoyed about Jurassic Park Three was the premise of like rich moron like <laughs> rich moron's kid is lost and we have to hire some people to go find him i thought that was kind of cool yeah but it'd be neat if there was no if it was strictly like these people get lost there and no outside world at all in the movie that'd be it's interesting strictly these people yeah it'd be sweet if it ended with these people like it, dude, staying it, there like, it'd be living cool there. if it was like like 10, 12, 15 years after the first one takes place. And they they don't necessarily ignore the other two, but just, like, not talk about don't them. Even... And then it's like... I, hey, I guys, remember that time there was a dinosaur in the United States? They should just rip off, like, the aliens idea. And the just blockbuster. They find out that there's something really crucial on the island they have to go back to get, so they have to bring an expert with them, like some sort of group of Marines has to go in there. Yeah. It'd be sweet. And they all like land on the island and have to find it's this Sigourney artifact. It's Sigourney Weaver thing. and <laughs> Michael Bean. I hope it's kind of actiony, though. It'd be cool. Yeah, it would. It'd be nice to see it go back to kind of its. I don't know what direction horror. they want to go with it, though. Did like, you see some of that concept art? No. It was weird. Oh, that was. was I human, did. Human I did. dinosaur hybrids. I don't think that's connected to this no, necessarily. No, but it was creepy. Like yeah. I was like, this is really interesting. It's like that was like. When it was supposedly about like gene splicing yeah. with humans and that, that yeah. was really. I mean, I, I was looking at the concept art. I was like, this is some pretty cool stuff. I mean, it would be cool like R-rated horror movie, but Jurassic Park would never touch it. The yeah. franchise. That, and that's the thing. It's not like they couldn't go hard R with it. Like, what are they really destroying if they make a really like intense they Jurassic just Park movie? Cease production on Jurassic Park Four. Make it Dino Crisis movie <laughs> and make it hard R. Or make Dino Riders. Dino Riders. Do you remember Dino Riders? I, of course. No one from the '90s remembers that. <laughs> I totally like you. do. That was so. Cool. I remember. I remember seeing Dino Riders. How Michael stuff. Bay hasn't made Dino Riders yet, or It'll at happen. least started production on Dino Riders? I would, I would totally see a Michael Bay Dino. When Riders. he's done with his next Transformers uh, trilogy, it'll happen. All right. Look at this Dino Riders. 
Dino Riders is awesome. Oh, it's just dudes on. riding dinosaurs with robots. With like suits. machinery, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to link to this picture in the uh, uh, in the show notes. We'll, we will have... be posting a picture of Dino Riders. That's pretty brilliant. It's I used fantastic. to have a bunch of these action figures. I had this one for sure. There's a there's a T Rex whole... shooting laser beams. Yeah, with like, like a guy strapped to his head. The Dino Riders. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Stegosaurus with laser beams and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty. Sweet. It's like GI Joe combined with dinosaurs. The yeah, Dino Riders. Like perfect. Wet it's dream perfect. for '90s kids. It really is. Alright, um, next up, Christopher Nolan's follow-up to The Dark Knight Rises will be Interstellar, written by his brother, and based on Kip Thorne, who is a, a natural physicist, his theories about relativity and time travel. Did you read up on Kip Thorne at all? Not yet. Kip Thorne, basically, one of Kip Thorne's bigger theories is that Kip. if time travel is possible the universe has mechanisms in place to make sure that a time paradox never occurs. So like, basically... You would never be able sure. to go back and kill your grandfather because the universe would correct for that. Somehow... Almost as if the universe is like a, a programmed... Yeah, it's like it's a tapestry that is woven and cannot be disturbed, like, you know, that kind of thing. But... Hmm. It's an interesting kind of premise. There were rumors that it's like a similar script to one that Spielberg was attached to direct a while back, but apparently, because Jonathan Nolan has written it, it's pretty different, which makes hmm. a lot of sense. But I'm down. I'm excited. Yeah. Christopher Nolan doing something involving time travel and space is it's Sci-fi. it's specifically about the idea of using wormholes to time travel. It's. It's basically it really contact cool. too, like I said on Facebook. I hope that he mixes up the cast a little bit, though. That'd be nice. It just I, I want to see some fresh faces some, working with him, like because when DiCaprio seen... was in for Inception. It was yeah, like, something like that. Yeah. yeah, just someone fresh. Like I, I mean, I wouldn't mind a couple of the mainstays being in there and Michael Kane would be roles. there. Well, sure, and that's fine. Yeah. But you know, I kind of want to mix it up a little bit. Or if if you're gonna have Michael Kane, give him a beard or something. Like yeah. anything that makes me go. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one... I know what you're saying. One minor thing I have with, with the Nolan movies is, like, when I watch Inception and I see Michael Caine, I'm like, it's just Alfred. For some reason, it doesn't bother me with Wes Anderson as much. And it, it doesn't, doesn't really me bother me with Christopher Nolan, but I think... No, it doesn't... Both of them, I like seeing them bring on new actors. Like, Edward Norton being in Moonrise Kingdom, and Bruce Willis, for that matter, was awesome. Yeah. And it's nice yeah, when and they... Yeah, I, and I, I want that little bit of a mix-up. Yeah. Because we saw I a mean, lot of people from Inception come in for... Uh, Batman. Rises, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate that, but I don't want to see another movie with everybody from... Yeah. You know. I think he, he tends to kind of rotate. He'll have he'll bring a couple over, but then he wrote, cycles some out and cycles in new ones. I mean, Michael Caine, I think, in the Prestige, the Batman movies and Inception, is different enough in all yeah. of them that it doesn't bother me. I'd love to see... Uh, I like when, when directors get these dedicated troops, like Christopher Guest and Wes Anderson are the two most notable, I think, where they have the same crop of actors in every yeah. movie, and yet... Michael Guest, or uh, Christopher Guest, I just combined <laughs> Michael somehow, whoever he came from. Uh, Christopher Guests in particular are the best, I think, because he uses these same actors like four movies in a row. And they're all and totally different. And they are different. completely yeah. different. The only one who's remotely similar is Fred Willard because he always plays like some fast He's always Fred Willard. <laughs> hilarious, yeah, variant of himself. But, I mean, that, that crew is just off the hook. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see a Guy Pierce return. 
He I'd needs love to bring to Guy see a back. David Bowie return. <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Hugh Jackman pop back up in a. Yeah. I'd like to see uh, Hardy movie. take the lead in a Nolan movie. I think the two of them work together well enough that it'd be cool to see him step up to the that plate. That wouldn't bother me just because the... he was wearing a mask the whole last yeah. movie and he was, and he was doing something so a different. Yeah. That that wouldn't bother me. The but like Marion bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. it felt like she was kind of the same well, character. What, how many like, reasons? There are infinite reasons why Marion bothered me. But. <laughs> Let's not get back into Batman. But. <laughs> anyway, I want it to be different cast-wise. That's It'd be sweet hoping. if Bowie was in it. I'd, more David Bowie's always He's amazing, not really so. doing much music-wise. Well, at some point so. in the movie, oh, he's he doing, He's coming Earth. out with a new album, actually. But He is, yeah. So he might be a little busy for a Nolan movie. Why am I not aware of this? I just read about yeah. that. When is it coming out? I don't this know. This year? Probably. I think so. <laughs> yep. Look it up. It's not Netflix. <laughs> it's not Netflix. All right, uh, finally, we have Godzilla being rewritten by Frank Darabont. Uh, and in the meantime, two producers have left, and production is supposed to start in March. So it's seeing a little bit of a troubled... March 12th. Uh, March 12th for, for the Bowie. Bowie? For the Bowie okay. album. First nice. studio album in a decade. Nice. Wow, has it been that long? It'll be good. Yep. Bouse. We're so going to review it on Midwest <laughs> Film Nerds podcast. So you going to have Jagger, Iggy Pop I show I will dress for as a, Bowie. For a duet. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, so Godzilla Yeah um, Darabont gets involved with Troubled Productions constantly, I swear Yeah, he might be a little bit of a What happened to his show? The L.A. Noir one That's still, still in the happening. Yeah, that's happening I think they filmed stuff for it, but I'm not sure No, I Anytime I hear Darabont's writing something, I'm interested Yeah I like Darabont I wish he would have stuck with Walking Dead. Yeah. I don't blame him for leaving, because from the sounds of it, it's kind of a nightmare over there. But There's a reason they've gone through three, and three, three showrunners in less two than, and a half years. Yeah. Um, less than I'm 30 episodes. I'm excited for Godzilla, though. Yeah. Yeah, I really am. Like I am, too. I it's, love Godzilla. It's been long enough from from the nightmare of Godzilla 94, or whatever it was, 96. There was a Ben Folds song on the soundtrack, so... That movie is a massive guilty pleasure. Like, I will watch that movie. It's not... It's, it's not. It's not good. A good I mean, movie, I fully recognize it's, it's not good, but it's fun to watch. It's that, very that, much. That, like, I mean, if I watched it now, it's been it's been a solid many many years since I watched it. I might be like, ooh, this, yeah, this technology is really dated. It's but Godzilla time, it with cool. that Independence Day vibe to it. Yeah. You know that Roland Emmerich type. Yeah. Deal. You know that's what it feels like. So this one, I'm glad. What's the What's the director's name? Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Monsters, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which was cool. I mean, I wasn't as much about it as it. some people were, but... I liked it a lot. I think that cool. it shows promise. It shows that he... You haven't if, seen it, really? If anybody's going to direct it, I don't see why not him. So. Yeah. There are a few it's of cool. the old Hong kong uh Godzilla movies on Netflix, but the the animated series of Godzilla's on Netflix. The old, the 90s one. Yeah. Awesome. The only thing I thought about, actually, and this just popped in my head like two seconds ago, is Pacific Rim. Because <clears throat> if... If Pacific Rim is super, super, super awesome, like I think we're all hoping it's going to be, and it like brings the giant monster, the kaiju thing, back to the forefront. Yeah. Hope it does. What does that say for Godzilla? Does it mean that Godzilla is going to be boosted is, because of that? Is or? Pacific Rim going to be the Godzilla movie that everybody wants? Right. Yeah. Is that is that going to be the new generation, which is going to make people go, oh, we don't really care about Godzilla. I think just anymore. by the basic premise, it, it won't be. It'll be different just, enough. I mean, the, they the could the be presence pretty of different. The, of the Jaegers alone. Because that never happens in Godzilla movies. Yeah, it's usually like a last. Like, it's usually before. like yeah, but I mean, it's usually like an eleventh. Like Godzilla. It's like an eleventh hour thing that brings Godzilla down ultimately. Yeah. Jet Jaguar. 
I showed the Pacific Rim show to Gojo, by the way, who, as most of us know, is a massive Earth Defense Force fan. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he likes and that. And he watched the trailer. He was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he was like, this is beautiful. I haven't watched that trailer. I think it shot up to his most anticipated movie. It's a cool trailer because it doesn't really... It shows you very little of the <clears> monsters. <throat> it shows you more of the robots, but even then, not much. Glimpses. Yeah. And it doesn't tell you much about the plot. There's just a loose voiceover. The coolest part of it is, I mean, you see the scale of the robots. You see how yeah. massive they are. The GLaDOS voice. And there's a really cool part. Yeah, that's weird. There's a really cool part where you see one of the robots winding up to, to punch some monster. And you see the, the pilot inside. I think it's Charlie Hunnam, like, wind up like this. Yeah. And you see the robot do the same thing, and when it goes to throw its punch, you see in its elbow the pistons fire all these and engines, it, yeah. like space shuttle engines that drive the pistol awesome. forward. And it's cool to see something of that detail. Like, and you're like, that is probably what you have to do. Like, the punch has to be propelled by yeah. something. And there's like seriously like NASA engines, and you see it wind up and go and like fire. And That's like, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I was like that. That was my favorite thing about the trailer was that little detail. Very cool. Yeah. All yeah. right. Godzilla looks like it could be cool. I hope it's just full on. There was a lot of buzz rampage. about it at uh, Comic Con last year. Well, I hope it's a little scary too. That would be good. The, kind of Cloverfield. The first, the first Godzilla, the original Gojira, when it came out, was scary. Yeah. You know, not anymore, but it was like. There's some pretty horrifying moments in that movie, like people getting burned alive and stuff. I'm like, I don't expect that to be. I don't expect this to be an R, but. It'd be cool if it had kind of a Cloverfieldy vibe. Yeah, yeah, I want to see. You don't see it very much at first, and then you finally see Godzilla being a boss. Yeah, you know, first act is act is set up for what's coming. Second act is more like, oh, what's that giant thing? We only see glimpses, and the third act should be like all-out war where the military gets involved. We should rewatch Cloverfield sometime. Give it a a mod. I don't want to say modern, but that was what oh seven that came out. Yeah, I think so. Give it a a more recent perspective. January 07. Because I do want to watch it again. It's been a long time. I, I since was the not a fan when I saw it in theaters, and I haven't yeah, rewatched I, it since. I'm inclined to say it doesn't age great, but I don't know. It's got some cool. It's okay. I'll watch it because TJ Miller cool is HUD. Yeah. So. yeah. Cool. I'm down. All right. And Lizzie Kaplan's in it. It's true. She blows up. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> she does. Lizzie Kaplan grenade. All right. So we should move into our full movie review. Oh, that's it for the news? Yeah, that was it for news for the past month. <laughs> so Still just staring at this Dino Riders photo. <laughs> I think I have a new wallpaper. Do we need a, a spoiler section for Zero Dark Thirty? <laughs> it feels weird. Yeah, maybe we should just do it all in one big lump. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, it. so why don't we take a break? I mean, the, the, everyone knows how it ends more or less. Yeah, that's true. If yeah. you right. don't... Uh, so we're going to take a break. We'll have the spoiler section for Zero Dark Thirty, which, if you are somebody who's going to see this movie anyways, you know... You probably have some knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't really listen to this beforehand anyway. So, we'll be right back, and uh, we'll talk about Zero Dark Thirty. And welcome back to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Nick. <laughs> uh, Alright, so Zero Dark Thirty is our full movie review this week. Uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow of Point Break and the Hurt Locker fame. And third movie, which I don't remember the name of. Come on. 
I don't know. Near Dark. Near Dark. We talked about this. Near Dark 30. Uh, Starring Mark Duplass, uh, Jessica Chastain, Jason Clark, Kyle Chandler, Mark Strong, Joel Edgerton, Chris Pratt, and everybody else in the world. Yeah, basically. Um, Let's be honest. This movie starred Jason Clark. (laughs) Well, yeah. But... um, He ruled this movie. IMDb synopsis is a chronicle of the decade-long hunt for al-Qaeda terrorist leader Osama bin Laden after the September 2001 attacks and his death at the hands of Navy SEAL Team 6 in May 2011. Spoiler alert, by the way. Osama bin Laden? So, um... I can't believe it's already been almost a year since that happened. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Since The Rock tweeted. <laughs> yeah, Dude, since... I was thinking that during the movie, I was like, The Rock is the one who broke the news. <laughs> what if happened. The Rock had a cameo in this movie where he's sitting at his computer and he's like, just <laughs> tweeting the... I'm not even joking, like... Major news outlets were saying, like, The Rock broke the news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He was the first person publicly really to say anything hilarious. about it. Yeah. It's, he's probably on SEAL Team 6. Guys, he was there. But, we yeah. know this. Probably snapped. He's probably riding an armored dinosaur. <laughs> he is Dino Rider. <laughs> this movie is not factual. All right. So, um, I suppose we can start by talking about previous Catherine Bigelow works. Uh, I've seen the two that I mentioned at the beginning there, uh, Point, Point Break, Break and The Hurt Locker, and they're both very awesome. They're both extremely different. New Dark. <laughs> That's all I say. New Dark. Strange Days. Strange Days. Cannot overlook Strange Days. Yeah, Strange Days is good. Now, they're very different movies. Really she definitely made movie. a very huge shift um, in the kinds of movies that she makes. Yeah. Um, Ooh, she I hope Blue that... Jamie Lee Curtis? I hope that... I mean, going from Hurt Locker to Zero Dark Thirty is a very natural progression. Progression. Yeah. I hope that it's she's not going to be stuck in just military. You know what I'm saying? So you're hoping for Point Break too, like I am. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, but what's the point? Swayze's not with us anymore. That's true. So. That's true. She also made Key Nineteen <clears throat> Widowmaker. They could get Don Swayze, <laughs> Patrick's brother, and now um, it could just be Dempsey. about Keanu Reeves coping with the loss of yeah. Swayze. No, um. Yeah, she took a really, really interesting really turn as far as direction went. Um, but like I said, I hope that she isn't... As, I mean, her luck is great. This movie's great. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm hoping she's not going to wow. be stuck on the political thriller. Yeah. Slash military. It'd be nice for her to... Yeah, do something different again. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is a conversation I've had about a couple directors, you know. Um, Peter Jackson, for one. I want to see him do something very different from Lord of the Rings, Middle yeah. Earth stuff when this is all, all yeah. over. Yeah like to see him go back to horror, but that's another topic, mm-hmm. so we'll get off of that. <laughs> so, yeah, Catherine Bigelow. I like Catherine Bigelow. One of the few female directors that's got her kind of stature in Hollywood. Yeah. That holds her own with the boys. Yeah. yeah. The only other one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Sophia Sophia Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. She's not even as big as, well, no, as no. Bigelow. I mean, there was a time I mean, when she was. Yeah. When, when Lost in Translation came out, she was... She was... Everybody yeah. was adoring. A lot of people were looking forward to Marina Antoinette, too. Yeah. Yeah. We need to see the next work from Antonia Bird. <laughs> I don't know if she's directed anything since Ravenous, but um. she doesn't need to either. <laughs> but yeah, All no. Right. Um, I like Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. I don't think there's a movie she's made that I haven't enjoyed. She's... A very interesting director looking mm-hmm. at her filmography alone. Mm-hmm. So She's 5'11", also, apparently. She's very tall. She's 5'11 and a Statuesque. half. Yeah. Damn. So, um... Yeah, okay. she's, a, she's a beast. <laughs> so, anyway. We're clearly not in the groove of actually. Zero Dark Thirty. 
What what did I think? Yeah, what did you think about Zero Dark Thirty? Buddy? Well, since no one asked, I liked Zero Dark Thirty. Um, <laughs> as we talked about last time, it was on on my top ten list, not as high as yours, which of course it was at number one on yours. So. Yes, it was. Um, God, she's tall. No, it's uh, it's it's. I understand the comparisons with Argo. Mm-hmm. Because they're both political thrillers, they both have fictionalized versions. Yes, yeah, and they both have very um, they have big ensemble casts. You know what I mean? With yeah. one central, you know, central character, but a bunch of people around them. Yep. And and uh, I like both movies a lot. Um, but Zero Dark Thirty, uh, it it's not a particularly exciting movie in the sense of it's not there's not a ton of action if people are going into this thinking that it's going to be some sort of like balls to the wall war movie which I hope people aren't yeah then they're going to be disappointed but it's it's a very slow burn you it know is. it it really is it, it it's but it sucks you in right away it's, it doesn't yeah it doesn't fail at at bringing you right into the mindset of of um the manhunt you know the things yeah. that people have to go to the, the the depths that people have to go to 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 find somebody, especially somebody as you know notorious as Osama, um, and I liked um, I liked the character arc for um, Jessica Chastain's character a lot. Yeah, because she goes from a very not naive, na- well, yeah, kind of. I mean, she's she's not naive. I mean, she's definitely game she's soft for what's going on. But she, yeah, but she has not been hardened by. By anything yet? I mean, she's relatively new. I don't remember if they tell you how long she's been. A couple years. An operative at this well, point, but no, it's a little longer than that, depending on how old she really is in mm-hmm. it. But they said she said that they recruited her right out of high school. But she hasn't been in the field. It doesn't sound no, like she was yeah, back. That's true. Back in the states. Back I think this is her Lane first Lane time. Or something. So. I, I liked watching her character change. And I mean, by the end of by the end of the operation, someone asked her how long she, she'd been with CIA, or close to the end, and she said thirteen years. And I think she'd landed out there in like oh two, shortly like after oh two or oh three. Yeah. Um. No, I, I, I liked it, and I don't. I liked Jessica Chastain. She deserves all the, all of the praise she's getting for the movie. Yeah. Um. And the awards. Uh. You know the nominations <clears throat> and whatnot. And wins, yeah. yeah. Um, Golden but and this week she held uh, spots one and two on the box office. She did. Zero Dark Thirty yeah. and Mama were yeah, both good for her. up there. It was kind of. I cool. like her a lot. I liked her in Lawless too, which I you know, I thought she did a really good job in that. And I think she's going to be an actor. You know, a lot of people talk about actresses and actors about oh they're the next this person they're the, you know they're the next Tom Hanks they're the next Meryl Streep whatever. Yeah. Um. And I haven't heard a lot of that about her, which is good, no. I think, yeah. because I, I, th- I think that she will be up there at some point. She's carving out her own niche. Absolutely, but I think that's yeah, that's so important because you hear that a lot. Like this person is the next so and so. Yeah. So, um, and one other thing, I, there was a lot of this movie got a lot of heat, understandably because it is a touchy subject for a lot of people, um, but um, I don't think that this movie. Either a glorified waterboarding or torture or anything like that. I don't think it, and 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 certainly the the detractors saying that it that it says that waterboarding was what led to you know the capture of Osama bin Laden. It was a piece of that. Yeah. 
but it's, by no means was that the only thing. It wasn't the lynch. That wasn't the, in the key. story. No. So I don't. Again, three metaphors. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I disagree with that. That's the one I use. I disagree with that, and I also disagree with the thought that this movie gives away too many of our of our tactics and finding people. And it doesn't give away anything. No, I don't all think stuff it that was does. In episodes of twenty four. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think anything in this movie isn't anything that you didn't either A, already know, or B, from, couldn't From have, the media in the first or place. Or B, couldn't have figured out on your own, easily. Yeah. So, that... Those complaints, I feel like, are unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spinning out of that, I mean, there were a lot of people saying, like, this movie says that the U.S. says it's okay to use torture, even though it they shouldn't don't, be. They don't, though. And, and, I mean, a lot of people were acting like... And some people are still saying, like, oh, they didn't actually use torture. It's just a fictionalized version. A lot of people are saying, well, they're not allowed to use torture, so they say they didn't. And I'm just up. I mean, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I've always assumed that yeah, they say you're not allowed to do torture. But I'm pretty 100 percent sure that, that every nation in the world is using yeah. torture all the time. Yeah, in situations. And I, don't think, I, I think yeah. anybody who's like, what? You're just being. They've naive. been torturing people. I'm like, yeah, because That's at the like, end of the day, they're the bad guy. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 regardless of how right, you feel on the subject, it is a way to extract information from people. It was you interesting know. that the movie presented the idea that they coerced information out of him by mere deception. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. The, the big Basically the big break, just being, like, he's been so delusional for a month that yeah. he doesn't know what he has told us and hasn't told us. That was very interesting. That, that was, was. A cool... That and was if a cool anything, that, said, that shows that the waterboarding really didn't work all that well. It wasn't as effective. It was effective. part of the puzzle, because... Yeah. Yeah. All he... it did was break him down, essentially, in yeah. that case. But, regardless, it's... It's something that happens. I mean, I think anybody who is realistic needs to know that that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, whether it be the U.S. doing it or somebody else doing it, people are we getting could, tortured. Plus your definition of torture, I mean, how, how extreme is it? Is it like bamboo shoots under the fingernails? Is, there, is it mere, like, I don't want to say mere, but is it things like sleep deprivation or... Yeah, there's plenty I mean, of playing there's varying, death metal. There's varying degrees yeah. of seven. I'd be the one guy just kind of like, <laughs> all right... <laughs> They actually oh, used that in the in uh, the Gulf, the first Gulf War. Um, they played uh, Ted Nugent's yeah. Stranglehold 24/7. over twenty four seven. Yeah, in the cities, just blasted it, and it just. I mean, obviously, uh, I guess what I'm saying is there's varying degrees of there extremity are. Yeah, of torture. Well, there's people that even argue whether or not waterboarding is torture, which. I think it's safe to say it's a form of torture. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I anything unpleasant that you're being forced through is tor- can be torture. torture. Yeah. 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 Like work is torture sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Resident Evil torture. Watching Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. And the Paranormal activity. Yeah. Torture. Torture. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I the the complaints I don't get. Um, They're pretty unwarranted. It's political. Yeah. It's political people who haven't seen the movie passing judgment. Without, uh, I or yeah. people who have seen the movie and just want to pull the most extreme things out of it possible. Yeah, people sure. Are looking for an argument. People that completely miss the point of the movie. <laughs> it's true. And sometimes people make these bold statements about, you know, hot topic movies because they want to get page hits. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean that's part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't get that. I thought it was a great movie though. I I mean I, I can't think of any any major complaints I have. It's it's a it's long, it's a long movie. It's long, but I think it's. Um, and there probably could have been a couple of little trims and cuts made do, here. Do we there. have breaking news? Nick? But uh, it's going to get down to five degrees tonight. 
That's rough. I this just is the, the Midwest Film my, Nerds podcast. I just pulled, yeah, this yeah. involves the Midwest. I just pulled up the weather on my phone, and it says it's 9 degrees in Ferndale. I guarantee that Berkeley High has a cold day tomorrow. It says happen. it feels... Okay, Berkeley, Michigan, currently, 12 degrees Fahrenheit feels like negative 3. That's the, that's Berkeley doesn't get snow days. Berkeley... It's cold days. We just gave away our location, by the way. Whatever. They're going to come and torture us. But Waterboard. Berkeley High School will have a cold day because snow days don't occur because it's a walking district. But that's, anyway. That's... that's It's cold here, horrifying. guys. Horrifying. It's really cold. Torture. Anyway. So as you were saying, you could there could have been some cutting and trimming that yeah, occurred. Yeah, I think I mean not that anything is unnecessary, and it's not that anything is anything sticks out as oh I'd get rid of this or but I think that there were there were some. It could have been tightened up. Yeah, maybe. a little bit, maybe. Um, but that's not that's not to say I didn't enjoy everything I saw. So. Yeah. But I understand where some people could go into this movie and say, oh my gosh, that was long. Yeah. You know, like. Like the guy who saw it with Django Unchained <laughs> in yeah. one day. Yeah, you guys were you guys were troopers. It was uh, it was fun. Yep. It was fun. Anyway, Nick. Zero Dark Thirty. I um I had really high expectations for it on my own, and then after your review, I was like, wow. So this is the best movie of the year. All right. I did really really like it, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to. Um. And I'm not sure why, though. I don't have any good reason either way. Like, it's a really interesting movie that I have to see again because you see so much, and yet you see nothing at all. Like, when the movie was over, I was like, I didn't... What ha- What happened exactly? And I, somebody... I don't remember where I read it, but somebody's review... I think it was somebody's review on Slash Film. They were like, who's to say what the events of the movie exactly were? Because... He goes, honestly, I can't tell you exactly what happened in the movie. And that's what's so interesting about it. It's not really a movie. It feels like a series. Of, it feels like a bunch of scenes. And I think that, that that didn't sit particularly well with me. I was hoping for more of a narrative and less of a... It's not really documentary, but the fact that it's broken into those weird chapters and it just feels like there were a lot of real-world events that it tried to hit, like beats throughout the movie, like the the bus in London yeah. and the bombing at the at the... Marriott or whatever that was and mm-hmm. uh, and all this real real stuff that happened I feel like the movie was trying to hit all those and I mean Chastain's arc was really cool but at the same time I feel like we didn't see it happen we would just catch bits of it like almost like here's the character arc and we're just like points on a graph is where we drop in and we see her get a little more a little harder a little more intense but we didn't really get to chart the course ourselves and that kind of bummed me out it didn't feel like uh like the herlocker is very clearly like a narrative movie you sit and you watch this story unfold from point a to point b and this movie felt like just a series of little snippets and i i wasn't super down with that it wasn't a bad thing necessarily i just didn't particularly like it yeah and um i mean i think it was that's the only way they could have made a the movie, movie encompassing though. 10 you know what I mean? years one person's no, story. You don't think so? No, there's been tons. Look at Forrest <laughs> Gump. I mean, that takes place over a guy's life. Yeah, yeah, but it's not... Forrest Gump also isn't a, an actual... Yeah, but does that matter? I, mean? I think it does. Because there are certain there are certain moments over the course of the manhunt that were incredibly important um, to yeah. what was going on behind the scenes, and I think that they knew going in they had to hit those moments. I think that there was... Know, I wanted to see more of, I guess, more of Jessica Chastain's character's life. Obviously, like, her work was her life, but the little scenes of her, like, 
in between those big events were things I thought was interesting. Sure, yeah. And it and it uh I just didn't like that a lot of it was just headline moments throughout. That's that's one reason that as a movie I vastly prefer Argo because it it feels like a story. Zero Dark Thirty is almost almost half documentary in its in its delivery. Yeah. I think the second half of the movie I liked a lot better. The opening bit with Jason Clark and her was really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Jason Clark just dominates the, the screen the whole time he's in the movie. Um, but I, I kind of liked the second half better once she started getting some hard evidence. But I think that it's a really awesome movie. I mean, it's really it's really fascinating for how unique it is. And I think that the the whole supporting cast is really awesome. Yeah. I, the, all right, the point in the movie where I really was like, now I feel like, I'm, I feel like the movie finally started is the scene with Mark Strong. And he's like, you guys all that's like suck. Halfway through the movie, yeah, and that's the point where I finally was like, I feel like the movie's actually starting now, because the whole first half felt, I don't know, it almost felt like, and the time frame is a lot tighter. After it felt that like too. introductory, like so much of it felt, I don't want to say inconsequential, but I was kind of like, why am I watching this? I know it's very, it's a very weird movie. I have such mixed feelings on it, but I liked it was that that Mark Strong scene was like the point where I felt like things really started to move forward, and. um the whole cast is... I mean, there's not a wink link in the movie. The whole movie is really good. Yeah. Um, I really, really loved the comment by Kyle Chandler towards the end when she was, like, pushing him for more resources and more time. She's like, I got this lead and this. And he was like, who gives a shit? He's like, honestly, does anyone care anymore anyway? Yeah. And he completely echoed my thoughts on the whole thing in real life because he said he's probably dead, and if he's not, he might as well be because he's not doing anything yeah. noteworthy anyway. He was like, so why are you so obsessed with this? Kind of not not in those exact words, but he kind of said that, and she was like, well, give me my, what I want, or I'm gonna tell the director that you suck. And he was like, okay. And, and then he walks into the room full of people that totally heard that whole argument in the hallway. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I felt bad for his character with, with what ended up happening to him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was. I thought that was really interesting that that scene happened because in the moment of watching the movie, I totally like had her back. I was like, yeah, give her her shit. Give her what she wants, but then a- after watching the movie, I was like, he was so right though, and the final scene echoed that so well because uh, we're totally in spoilers, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. When all the soldiers get back, they do not even give a crap about who they just killed. They just throw the body on a. They're so 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 stoked about the intel that they found. That's all they care about because yeah. they're like, this will actually help us. And that body's just there, and it was a really cool shot of just seeing it and her moving through the soldiers, just sitting in a wheelbarrow, and then the guy from Mad Men being like, "Yep, she confirmed it," and. Uh, and then she sits down like, "What? What the hell do I do now?" And I was, I was like, "That must totally be how that felt." Because well, she gave you were chasing a ghost so, yeah, for so, so many long years, ever, yeah. and was it all it really, really achieved? It was just purely a symbolic victory. I mean, everybody in America felt great about it. I yeah. remember that when the day that happened, everybody was like, "Woo!" Like <laughs> it was this huge deal. But I was like, he was kind of irrelevant by that point. It was just very. It was. It was purely like. Just a sigh of relief in a way. Like yeah. This old enemy was hunted down to the ends of the earth and he was living in this cruddy complex and not going outside. And it was cool to see somebody brought, quote unquote, to justice. But at the same time, we didn't really get much out of it. No. At least unless the intel that they really got was actually valuable. We just will never know yeah, about I mean, it. Yeah. But it was really interesting that the movie really emphasized that at the end when, he, when the, the pilot was like, where do you want to go? And she just like is crying and like has no answer because it's like, yeah, what do you do now? Yeah. And... uh that was a very cool, like that. That dramatic human element was neat. So I think that I would have almost liked. I, f- I think the ending would have had more impact with that final shot if we had seen more of her 
life being sacrificed like her maybe losing a boyfriend because he's like you're obsessed with your work a little yeah. more a little more human drama i think would have made me like yeah, it better i can see that <clears throat> but it, it definitely was a really interesting but even in like the hurt locker it's been a long time since i've seen it but the hurt locker like the only human element that you really get out of it is in like the last quarter of the movie yeah but you follow it's a much more there's a lot more that happens between characters like him getting closer to his guys. It's true. And that does and kind of happen in this, but you're right, they don't really show it. It's just the inferred. only the only moment where you feel really bad for her is when her friend blows up because yep. he's yeah. a dumbass and yeah. lets yeah. that guy come in the base with a bomb. Yeah. And uh that whole scene is really rough cuz you know Yeah. It, you I can feel that impending said the doom. Name, Camp uh, Champlain or Champlain or whatever. I remembered that. I was like yeah. this is I remember that name being in the news. Yeah. And uh I was like something bad's going to happen. She's a great, I mean, she is really, really good at ratcheting up the tension. Because there's scenes, there's, the Hurt Locker is all scenes like that. Yeah. yeah there's a scene in the Hurt Locker where the car comes barreling through, and he draws his sidearm on the guy, and is like, back up. And the guy just stares at him, and he's like, back up. And then he shoots at the ground, he's like, back up. And he shoots out the windshield, and you're just sitting there going, Ooh, Yeah, because yeah, you know something gonna horrible is going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And then nothing does. The guy just reverses his car and drives away, and you're like, Oh, oh my God. Well, yeah, because sometimes I think the. That that feeling of relief is as powerful and a, yeah, like an absolutely. emotion as the yeah. feeling, and then, of, and then that leaves you wondering when oh it God. actually is going to hit. Yeah. So she's she's definitely a really talented filmmaker. I think it's a it's a neat movie. I wish it was a little tighter, but the uh, the cast is so impressive though. Everybody in it is really good. Um, a lot of people you don't expect to be in this kind of movie. Yeah. Um, Mark Duplass. 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 Chris Duplass Pratt. isn't like Chris grunt. Pratt. Yeah, he was good. And they're all perfectly fitting the yeah. roles that they were given too. Yeah, I, mean, I really liked uh, I really liked all those little people that would pop up. Mark Strong's American accent is like near perfect. I was yeah. really surprised. I was like, wow, because he's very he's yeah. as English as they get. Gandolfini was good, and um, I, you guys don't really know him, but I don't understand funny. why John Barrowman's in like point five seconds of the movie. John he's, Barrowman, he's he was in, super random. He's in as that. As soon as I saw him, I was like, hmm. yeah, he's in that scene with Gandolfini. He's the one guy who says, Chastain. "I think she's fucking smart." Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. He's so, from Torchwood and CW's Arrow. Yeah, but I think I think that I think that she's smart in the sense that you know I don't know how much of these these decisions she's making, but it seems like in in all in the Hurt Locker in this movie she no role is too small. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like she casts well Guy Pierce in the Hurt Locker. He's in yeah. the opening right. scene. She <laughs> casts actual really really you know solid. Uh, actors in in roles that are really pretty thankless. I mean, there's not, you know, the um the, the know. one it's cool. the one big part of the movie for me that I I really really loved and I think probably everybody will was the actual operation was oh my very God. fun to oh, watch. Yeah. That was, was intense. The, how how it was not at all what I expected it to be like in real life because it's so noisy and the whole neighborhood is just coming to check it out with their machetes and shit. And yeah. I was like, because in real life in real real life when i heard about it they were like there's no casualties it was a commission was a success etc i was like wow i pictured them just like slipping in in the night pure ninja style slitting throats and getting yeah out. exactly yeah. and no one knowing and you <laughs> crash a chopper they're blowing doors off and it was very it was really cool but that's and the I, amazing I, I was thing like, though i really really want to go play ghost recon after watching this yeah <laughs> bad the uh the actual mission itself lends itself well to those those tense moments that we were yeah. talking about that yep. she does really well because oh, that shot. because there's a constant impending danger in every, around every corner like 
yeah. helicopter goes down. Then now we got guys walking down from the city to yeah. come check this out. We got to scream at them to go back. Delta now we've team got, breaches a door that has a bunch of bricks behind it's it. It's not yep. a door. Yeah. Now they're telling us that we've got all of five minutes to get as much stuff out of here as possible. Now my foot just fell through the top of a helicopter and got like every little. Yeah. In you Pakistani know. air, uh, air force is scrambled and they're on the way. We have yeah. to we have to leave their country. And uh, which made me wonder. I was like, "What? How exactly did they smooth over the relationship with that af- in real life? Like after that happened, I'm not sure. it's very Who interesting." Knows? And somebody raised a great point on IMDb they, about the movie. They said they were like, "This was like a hit," and because a lot of people, just the board is just loaded with people going torture is immoral and people saying torture is necessary and all this stuff and there was like yeah. one thread where it was like hey forget the torture how about the fact that we just went into a dude's house and killed him and he didn't go to trial or anything they're like isn't this like a problem too and somebody made a very and and, it, and he he had filled his uh his his post with a lot of very valid points and he wasn't out to start fights he was just like this is a thought i have and someone else replied in an interesting way they said well you know hussein came was captured as like a as like a criminal and brought to trial and they said but uh, bin Laden like openly declared full on war on the U.S. and it was like these people all need to burn and die. They're like, so I don't think anybody was terribly well, interested in giving him a trial. Not but... to mention that guy wasn't gonna be taken alive anyway. <clears throat> I mean, he, he could have. Yeah, certainly. I, I he did have a gun, right? I believe. We never even see it in the movie. I don't know. I, I believe think they just go into the gun. room and just shoot everybody. <laughs> yeah, they did. I, I, I obviously I, it's kill or be killed. Like I understand that. Sure, sure. But it, it was it was a very interesting point because it's like at what point does the law cease to matter? That's what a lot of people when it actually happened. Like a lot of the people that I was friends with in high school were basically just like, I don't like the fact that this man wasn't he couldn't stand trial. Like that's it's the beliefs of our country is that you stand a fair trial in the court of law. That's why that to me that's the more interesting dilemma than necessarily the torture yeah. aspect. I mean, yeah. obviously, that's a crime against humanity in its own way, but um, it was a very interesting, and the way the scene played out was uh, kind of lended itself almost to that, where I was kind of, for a minute, I was like, oof, man. I yeah. mean, <laughs> it was uh, interesting thoughts, anyway. I almost yelled, Mar- yelled America when they shot him. America! <laughs> the line immediately after, where he says, dude, you re- even realize what you just did, was very yeah, in- very cool. I and I, Yeah, I like the awestruck... The that same guy he says stop. that too, you know when he goes upstairs to help them start grabbing stuff and getting it out. Um, when he's like, "Guys, I I killed the guy on the third floor," or whatever he says, you know. He'll kind of look at him like, and like, and then and then the guy's like, "All right, help us get." You know, like it's work. just back to the mission. Yeah. You know. Good for the mission. And part of why they're celebrating at the end there, and they're not as phased by the fact the body is there too, is just that those guys' mindset is this is work. We're yeah, we're going in yeah, there. Yeah, and they're they're in the shit every day. So yep. that's why I think they were so jazzed about the intel. It was like this could actually help save and, yeah. our lives. And on top of that, they got everybody home safe. So there's yeah. cause for yeah. celebration on top. And of there was a line else. that Chastain's character had where she said, "I want to just bomb the shit out of the place. I didn't want to use you guys." Yeah. And they were kind of like, "Why do we need to go in here? Yeah. <laughs> this seems dangerous." I but, really loved the all the intel gathering about the compound it was really fun to watch though. Yeah. All their little meetings about it, all the satellite stuff totally yep. got my ticket. I was like, this is I love Mark um, Duplass. Sat- yeah. Mark Duplass. What's cool too like, is there was so many satellite pictures. master. <clears throat> satellite master, master of satellites. What is MAV? <laughs> <laughs> we uh, Mark Duplass aerial aerial vehicle. <laughs> we saw so many pictures online and on the news and stuff of the compound after after the raid. Um that it really made this 
there's nothing special about the compound as, no. as, a, as a, a piece of architecture, but when you see it, the first time you see it in the movie, if you'd seen those pictures and stuff, it's instantly this sense like, of like foreboding. It's yeah. like it's yeah. like Mountain Doom or something. <laughs> like you're like, ooh, this is where it's going. That down, was actually you know? one of my favorite whole stretches of the movie was those guys just grind like Ferris Ferris and uh, and uh, Edgar Ramirez just grinding through every day, driving on this yeah. little tracker, yep. just hitting the pavement every day, wandering around, gathering intel. Uh, that was really, really cool to me. I, In a way, I almost would have rather the movie had like three main characters and followed like three different aspects of the search because yeah. Chastain was really good, but it feels like, like I said, she didn't have a lot of development. In a way, it was almost pointless to just follow her. It would have been really interesting to see three different people from three different sides of the search and that be the whole movie. Almost like sort of a Babel type thing where there's three main characters. Well, that's as cool as any of those characters in the movie that you could <clears throat> you could make a movie about. I just remembered too the scene where they uh, where they lure that guy out and there's all the soldiers wearing like the full uh, burkas and everything. Yeah, that yep. scene was so cool. <laughs> uh, just visually, it was so awesome seeing all the black figures just crowd around yep. him and whip out AKs. I was like, this is a really neat scene. I remember seeing that shot in the trailer and being like, oh my god. I like I like the tactics too they use of calling out to the people that they assume are in the house in like child voice yeah and then that one shot of like you literally see just the tiniest sliver of the guy's bald head peek around the yep. corner of the stairs and, and he's bam. dead instantly yep. boom goodbye and it's just like man these guys are i was really glad that uh jason clark showed up again because when he tells her he's going back i was like oh he's probably yeah. out for the movie and then when she is calling Calls that him. person and, and then he you has see no him beard all, all clean cut with his hair <sighs> slicked back and uh i was like oh that's awesome he's back and then he comes back to uh does he go Dubai or something to something like smooth that. talk that guy yeah. and buy him a Lambo? Well, it's funny because his character changes too. Because I think the last time you see him, she's asking for for yeah, that's the go ahead, and he's like, "Nope, it's a bad idea." Yeah, he's like, this which is, is not, and yeah, she kind of looks at him hurt. like, yeah. like really?" He didn't say mm-hmm. no, but he said it, he said sixty percent, right? No, yeah. he said yeah, he said like it's sixty percent, not sure. a. He said and he, she was like, he didn't think it was sure enough to act, but he said, that "I'm I'm reasonably sure he's there, but I I don't know if it's hundred percent." No, he was one of the, he was one of the ones that said no. He's not there. Somebody else had he's, said that. he was like it's somebody important, but, but it's not. It's probably yeah. not. And she was like looking at him like really. Yeah. You know. It was neat too how the movie kind of explored the idea that maybe someone who's too close to the operation, their judgment is clouded. Sure. Yeah. Because she was obviously it was her obsession, and it would have been, it would have been almost cooler if in the movie she's like 100 percent etc and they go in and it's not him like, yeah it's just interesting to think about sometimes and these people that make these important decisions about things that are going to be vital to the country uh maybe their judgment is a little bit clouded just by their own personal effort yeah it's, it's a very interesting i mean clearly we're, we're, we're getting very in-depth about it which is a good sign when, when you are start picking away at the nitty-gritty well let me let me just say i'll give my yeah. Brief thoughts For God's sake, on that's it. what Alex talked <laughs> Um I really enjoyed the movie. And I'm finding more and more that I have a very, very... One of the most important things to me in a movie is pacing. Because if a movie has bad pacing, it can completely ruin the experience oh, yeah. for me. But this movie has a momentum that keeps pushing forward... Like I, I, I understand your point about it being like s- kind of snapshots through time of of 
her arc and just in general. But I don't know, that didn't really bother me because it all kind of felt like everything was moving forward. There was always forward action. There was always like There's a lot of impetus in the movie. Yeah. yeah. And and then on top of that, like you start with this very small idea of them torturing this one person and the information that they're trying to get out of him takes her to the end of the movie. Like yeah, she hears about this courier that all of the people have then talked about. And that courier, like the the idea of this person existing and whether or not he's real, like that is the whole movie, is her deciphering information that may not even be true in, in the end. And that's, I just find that completely fascinating. Um, How it can just be one little tiny grain of an idea in someone's head. Yes. Because they're initially trying to figure out about, what do they call it, the... Uh... The something group. Yeah, the um, Saudi group. Saudi group. Yeah. They just want to know about they the They want to know more about the people that he was involved with. Yeah, but yeah. it gets to that one courier that everybody has mentioned, and then she's like, this is something serious. And that and that's, it, that's what makes me feel very Rubicon about it, because it's like you start out with this one piece of information, and then the rest of the movie just kind of unfolds around grows. it. Yeah. It's like over the whole season of Rubicon, you get a little bit more information with it. It's like a very slow release the courier is the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. So, um... <clears throat> That's a good point. I didn't look at it that way. It's it's just, you know, it's a very... It's an interesting way to look at it. Because from a character standpoint, yeah, it's a little bit stilted, but just following the progression of everything and how it happens is interesting. That's why I like the second half. I like I like when it really starts to find, like, oh, we found this weird compound. Oh, yeah. we found this particular courier. We There's found certainly more solid information yeah. occurring in the, in the second half. And an half. unfortunate thing about the movie that you just simply, it cannot be helped, is that we all know the outcome. Yeah. And so while yeah. I was watching it, I kept thinking, like, I know what's going to happen. And yeah. in a way, if it was a purely fictionalized movie, I probably would have been a lot more invested the whole time. But it felt like since I knew the end game, it unfortunately kind of took away I still kind of felt the same bit. as I did with Argo like I knew the end of Argo but it still yeah, captiva- captivated me for something it's because that 25 minute raid scene is yeah. so it's a cool scene you're on the edge of your seat the whole time they're they're very it's weird that they're even being compared because they're such different movies they're different but they're I understand the comparisons, They're political, though. and they're, like, in the Middle East, but that's, like, where the similarities and, end. And they're both I about think. operations that have taken place. You know what I mean? They, From a very general standpoint, it is... These are two dramatized versions of actual events in history that were covert operations. Yeah. yeah. I think Argo so, is way... I don't know. I just... I love the pacing in Argo so much more. It feels like it just... There's definitely a, the the momentum is strong in Zero Dark, but it's so like I said, it's so segmented. Like I would I would be really really like just forgetting I was watching a movie, and then all of a sudden it would be like a black screen with a title, and I'd go, Ugh. I felt like I was changing chapters in a book, mm. and I was just kind of like, damn it, you're taking me out of the story. Like just keep rolling the story. I didn't really have that issue. I did for some reason it kept bothering me. I'd Argo, be watching a scene. Argo does have a momentum that books yeah but (laughs) it's like a sprint to the finish line the whole time for some reason in zero dark 30 it just didn't really it 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 hit me in the right ways that i it didn't bother me um the score like you said it's you don't always notice it but a lot of the times when i did notice it i loved it because it's very reminiscent of rubicon but i can stop fawning over rubicon because (laughs) i do that all the time never never stop (laughs) um if I have any sort of issue, it's kind of something that I thought about after the fact. 
is that the movie does span 10 years, but they do very little, except for placing events that actually happen throughout it. If you don't know when those happened and when exactly it occurred, they do little to develop the time. Like, There's a lot of big jumps in time early yeah, in the movie. It's yeah. like three and, years later. And even then, it's um, they don't establish it with what they're showing you on the screen. Like, there's not even that much of a progression about the technology that they're using, which there really kind of was in the last yeah. ten years. And, okay, my one little tiny nitpick is that I think she was using Windows 7 in, like, 2004, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, I, 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 <laughs> the one reason that I noticed that is because the start bar was a circle instead of a button. Instead but of anyway. A gray button. Um... But I really, I really did love the movie. Everybody's perfect. The two movies that I've seen Jason Clark in this year have really made me. He's somebody who's, if he's in something, I'm going to go see it no matter what. Now he's the male Jessica Chastain now, <laughs> basically. Uh, just he's but very the good. way the way that he looks in the beginning, his like ruffled hair and the scraggly beard that he's got he's is like the modern Daniel Stern. It's amazing. <laughs> it's it's Home so Alone perfect. Home Alone remake. He is absolutely modern. <laughs> But and then even when you see him later on, clean cut, he looks so different. There's something cool about he's it. He's in such a completely different element than what you get used That's to. That's one him thing in. too. I'm not going to get too in depth with it because I don't want to go too long or anything. But I liked that he they use him too later on in the movie to show the vast difference between the people with jobs back in the states field work and, and the people all, in the yeah. field yes. and the divide between those two and how those two constantly make it hard for either one to get work done <laughs> especially the ones in the states making it hard for the it's, people in the field to get work done it's interesting because <clears throat> she goes from being the desk job to the person in the field yeah. and he goes from being the person in the field yeah. back to the desk job and, and, and their entire an their entire view of things changes changes yeah. too you know She's very gung ho by the end of that, and he's much more. You can just tell from he's looking at him. He's pulled back, and yeah, and and the thing is, you need both. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't want, you don't want people in the field controlling everything that happens because they get very attached to it, and they need they. They're not there, there needs to be a checks and balances for things like this, yeah. and so it was interesting to see that though. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of movies deal with that as much. You know, yeah, the bureaucratic stuff with you know that was cool. Yeah, I've frequently felt that uh, that interesting relationship during like during like productions and stuff because you will have people like you might have a camera person who says, "Wow, life would be insanely easier if you would just rent these two lenses instead of that." And then like the 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 bean counters on the other end who are in charge of the money will say, "Well, we can't afford that." Yeah get this done and say well I can't do it without this tool and they say well you can't have that tool because we don't have that much money so you got to make do with what with what you have or even like you know like a like a, a DP might say I need this to work I need this this light in order to get this done and they say well you can't have that so get it done it is definitely like I mean I imagine it's it's, it's it, that way at any job really. yeah absolutely yeah. like and people who people who start out like I don't want to use like something as as unimportant as family video but you start out on the on the, the grunt level and you might be like sure yeah there's, you know, I mean, we that's, need we need this much. There's this a many divide resources there to too. Do this. Or like, yeah. well, like that's why RTS games are so good. Like you play XCOM, yeah, and you are if you play like Halo or something, and you're like the soldier, and you're like, damn it, I wish this game would give me this. 
Then you play a game like XCOM where you are in charge of those resources and you have to manage like, okay, do I put this money towards soldiers training or do I put it towards building an R&D wing? If you build the R&D, you're going to get better better intel, better uh, better ways creatively to, to fight your enemies, but then more soldiers are going to die because you haven't trained them for this. Yeah. And it's just like deciding which way you go. That's why that game is so cool. Mm-hmm. It really forces you into that... Uh, they need to make a Tom Clancy game like that would be off the hook. Yeah. It would be really cool to have to... And you they could, tried and if with, you could like, actually, end war. It's like NFL actually, head coach, but it's... Play the, if you could play the missions, it would be uh, it would be really interesting. Yeah. Anyway. All right, cool. so let's go with final thoughts on our first full movie review of the year. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. Letter grade, I suppose. Um, I'd give it an... I'd give it an a minus. Okay. Just because there are a couple little things that I wasn't 100% nuts about. And it's hard to get an A from me. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, and again, with me, it always, with mo- with 99% of movies, it's all contingent on the second viewing, but yeah. I would say um, B B <laughs> B was my initial thought when I left the movie, and now I'd say B plus A. It's kind of flirting with A yeah. minus. Like it, talking with you guys always helps. Uh, you just gave it like the progress report grade of B B plus slash um, A minus. Yeah, it was <laughs> exactly. It's a very 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 good movie. It's very yeah. cool. It's very different. It wasn't quite what I wanted out of it, but um, I don't know what that means yet. Yeah, <laughs> I have to see it again to really figure it out. I don't think I want to see it on the big screen again, but I, I definitely will be. We'll be renting it when it comes out, or buying it maybe. As Catherine Bigelow, I mean, I think everybody involved is absolutely somebody to follow. I've, yeah. Bigelow has definitely made her mark, and uh, Chastain's great. Um, Jason Clark, I hope, really, really blows up too. Yeah, she made her mark back in Near Dark. It's always, <laughs> it's always great to see uh, to see these fresh talents take the reins in movies like this, where yeah. they could have easily gone with some more uninspired mm-hmm. casting. It's the same thing with Hurt Locker, though. Yeah. And you had Renner surrounded by a bunch of guys like Anthony Mackie and... Yeah. Elkin. And stuff like that. So, um, yeah. High B, low A, it's somewhere in there. Uh, it was my number one movie of the year, so it's an A. It's probably an A, I, yeah. I just supremely enjoyed it, which wasn't... This, I wasn't even, like, excited for it. I wasn't... Like, I remember reading stories on Slash Film, like... Everybody in the world has joined the cast of Zero Dark Thirty, and I was like, "This is why are there so many people like w- Chris Pratt?" And then right. I saw the first trailer, and I was like, "Trailer was so damn good." And that's one of the reasons, like, I should be watching trailers, but I knew that this was kind of one of those movies that I would end up seeing no matter what because it's Catherine Bigelow, and you know that it was going to be on on like it'd be Oscar talk and all kinds of stuff, and I like to see like everything that gets praised in general because I think it's interesting to see what other people what you know like. plus you want to be a part of the the, the discussion the awards discussion a yeah. little bit too yeah. yeah no I get that yeah so and cool. as a listener of the Slash Film cast if there's movies that I know are big and that they're going to have a lot of discussion about then I'd like to to watch them and then go and listen to it right. and it's really it's changed my uh this podcast alone has changed the way that I do that because I don't like listening to those before I give my own review. Yeah, right. So I haven't even listened to those yet, but I'm like, that's the first thing that I thought about is like, I'm gonna go home tonight and download that and Django and listen to them. So I think it's cool that this movie came out when it did too, because I remember reading that the script was in development 
prior to the actual killing of bin laden and they were like whoop <laughs> we better yeah like the, the was, end of the movie the yeah the end of the movie was going to basically be like we're still standing without knowing yeah. anything and then <laughs> the hunt ended and you know it's so cool. like now now finally feels like the time when i'm actually ready to watch a movie about the events of world trade center because my perspective has changed enough uh as a person where now i think it's interesting like when world trade center and United 93 and those came out within like three years of it happening. I was like, I don't give a shit. The digestion, it's all like really like charged. It just feels like a nasty cash in. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's still fresh in your mind and there's no. People are seeing it out of of remembrance. There's no nostalgic factor. Not the. You get nostalgic about (laughs) it. You know what I mean, though. Totally. There's no no sense of history to it yet because it's so. All right. Well, we're going to come back with a quick 10 minute food for thought. And uh, so stick around and talk to you then. And we're back. So food for thought provided by Willie. And you can email your food for thought questions to feedback at midwestfilmers.com. We would still love to have our very first uh, listener email. <laughs> hey, Tim. Yeah, Tim. If you're actually listening, you should uh, get on that right now. But anyway, Willie, food for thought. Um, Bigelow's gone from doing uh, vampire westerns to surfer heist movies <laughs> to uh, you know political thrillers. So she's had a pretty erratic uh, filmography. Um, can you guys come up with any directors that have had similarly all over the place? You know bodies of work yeah all right um the first one that really popped into my head which as i said is a little somewhat insignificant but it was disappointing in my opinion uh the man who directed the king of kong a fistful of quarters the documentary about steve weeby and uh what's his name the guy that Tabasco sauce guy. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah. He's got that name. Billy something. That sticks yeah, in your Billy, head. Billy Campbell. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um Seth Gordon went from like having a really promising start with the King of Kong to directing like four Christmases and horrible bosses and uh couples retreat and just like really you know, I liked Horrible Bosses a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, he has one movie. gem in that mix. But, so. I, you know, it's like he went from this pretty well-made documentary, even if you don't agree, like, it's not very good at being objective, but he went from making the pretty well... entertaining watch. Yeah. He went from... For a documentary, that's kind of a lot to say for some of the ones that are out there, but he went from making an enjoyable documentary with some amount of promise to going to just kind of, like, farted-out comedies with... Hmm. Stars I didn't realize that, that he did know, all those. <laughs> it's we. I think he's done mo- at least two of those three. That's it's, very interesting. He does those kinds of. I'll pull it up. But uh, anyway, that's I can the say one. for sure that Couples Retreat is not exactly a great comedy. Diamond in the Rough. No, it is no. not. <laughs> Horrible Bosses is cool though. I like that a lot. That was one of the funnier movies I saw last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's doing Identity Thief with Jason Bateman and what's oh, her boy. name. I'll tell you in two oh, seconds. Oh boy, that yeah, would be funny if you were right yes. about that. That would crack me up, actually. Identity Thief, in post-production as a director, 
He did Horrible Bosses. He did... Uh, he's done a few TV shows. He did an episode of Community and Parks and Rec. Ooh. Uh, but Four Christmases and the King of Kong. So he didn't do Couples Retreat. That's good. That's somebody else. But it you can see why I'd make that mistake, because Four Christmases and, and Horrible Bosses and Identity Thief are in the same vein. Sure, sure. But anyway, that's enough talking about Seth Gordon. Um, I Interesting. Just, you know, maybe he'll turn out later. Maybe right now he's making a bunch of money, and later on he's going to do passion projects, which I'd I'd like to see something from him that he really cares about once sure. again. But that's wow! I had no idea about that one. <laughs> there you go. The more you know. Comedy directors are hard to keep track of though, because they're usually you don't see a lot of the director in those movies. It's more about the stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. That Very is true. true. Very true. Not that I, I don't fault him for doing it, but it was just like... It's really odd. It was a left yeah. turn for me. It is. That's... How do you go from that to that? I don't know. I, Not I even suppose the real wise, an- but just... Yeah. The real answer stuff. is like, here you made this awesome movie, now direct. Now people are offering you these movies that you could make a lot of money on, so why not take that for now? Yeah. yeah while, sure. while you're getting Establish those opportunities. Yourself. Yeah. Sure. So, anyway. Willie, go back to... Um, I have a couple. Um, first, I'm going to go with, with PJ, Peter Jackson. That's a no-brainer yeah. one right there. I yeah. mean, the guy who made uh, Brain Dead and Bad Taste made, like... Frighteners. Frighteners, sure, yeah. Heavenly Creatures. Made, like... Yeah, and yeah, Heavenly Creatures. It's a weird entry. And then he made the Lord of the Rings trilogy. King and then he Kong. did Lovely Bones, yeah. too, which <laughs> is really out there. King Kong. King Kong. I mean, King Kong... See, I could see the King Kong Lord of the Rings thing. Like, I could see the same director making those movies if I knew nothing about I feel movies. like King Kong's a little bit of a nexus of the two, almost. Almost. Kind of. Because it's got the artistic, like, the heavenly creatures, like, because he, he, he likes to do a lot of character stuff in King Kong, but then it's got the big, huge, epic well, scale. scale. But, which is not to say there aren't great character moments in Lord of the Rings, because there are. Um, and the other one I just thought of was uh, Cronenberg. Stole mine. Did I steal yours? Well, I'll let you... Go with Cronenberg then. No, Tell yeah, us about I got Cronenberg. More, go okay. Um, no, Cronenberg is. I mean, this is a guy who was obsessed with body horror for the first, yeah. what, 30 years of his career, 20 <laughs> years of his career. He had stuff growing on the outside of people that should have been growing on the inside, and people growing chest vaginas, and yeah. just really, really gross out, but weirdly beautiful movies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just terrifying they have something behind them yeah yeah there there was substance there um maybe less so in uh in the brood but that was more just gross but um now he's making history of violence and eastern promises Promises. you get cosmopolis cosmopolis which i wanted to see before i made my top 10 but it didn't happen which are very very different yeah Uh, you still see that that Violent streak in History of Violence yeah. and Eastern Promises that really... I haven't seen Cosmopolis, so I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I don't know. But you see that, that really, really hardcore exploding head violence in, in those movies a little bit, but... But it's still very... But it's not at all the kind, of, the kind of... Yeah. So, it's interesting. I'm surprised you didn't think of John Carpenter, because his filmography is pretty... Yeah, his is, his is his is kind of weird. I mean, it all revolves. But he's around mostly horror. stuck to the sci-fi horror. His one or two, like there's an Elvis biopic he directed. <laughs> um, there's like a what? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, he's done a couple odd ones. La Bamba. But, 
No, he did not. He was not involved in La Bamba. Um, he did a comedy with Chevy Chase where Chevy Chase turns invisible. Some a couple odd choices in there, but <laughs> but Cronenberg is is very much shifted in a different direction. So. Yeah. All right, Nick. Um, I was gonna say Brian De Palma, but I don't know why I thought so that. so steamy because. <laughs> I'm just looking at his filmography now, and there's a, just a large concentration of gangster movies. So he's definitely got a, something that he's comfortable with. Yeah. But I thought of uh, Paul Verhoeven. Also steamy. But, like, weird. Like, how does the guy who directs RoboCop direct Showgirls? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's... He's an odd one. And Starship Troopers. He's an odd one. <laughs> um, Clint Eastwood, though, I think was one who... Definitely took a weird shift because he was just directing straight westerns. And yeah, he started making like like heavy hitting dramas. Dramas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I don't think I think a lot of people were surprised by his sudden leap. And I mean, he was always a competent director, like in the seventies and everything. But he really took a took a like, leap. Million in, Dollar Baby was like the first one that Mr. Unforgiven was the first. Oh yeah, Mr. Mr. was the year. That was the one where people were like, "Whoa!" But I think right. I think Unforgiven, even though it was a western was his first really critically acclaimed well, yeah, one, Yeah, but it was though, Western right? and he was in it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, like, that's Mystic true. Mystic River true. was such a departure where people yeah. were like, yeah. um God, what an agonizingly depressing movie. <laughs> I could have gone 50-50 on saying Mystic River or Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza. It <laughs> yeah. happens. They're both good, man. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen either of them. Soderbergh is one who's just like, what the hell Soderbergh's are you making really right strange. Yeah. And the he informant, makes more uh, movies a year than... Well, and the quality just flies all over the place. Like, yeah, like, like Haywire really... is amazing, and then The Informant is horrible, and everything really else great movies, bad. and then And then he'll make something that you're just like, what the hell? Contagion was really awesome, in my opinion. And I, like I do, really, make, I do want to see side effects. He'll but. make movies that look beautiful, like just like they're really visually. But he, and then he'll make ones that he like DPs himself or whatever, and they look terrible. Yeah. Like oh. I, I like to think that he has this board, this whiteboard, and people just write subjects on it. <laughs> And when they come over to his house, and then he throws like a magnet at it, and whichever one it sticks to, it's, it's like, like I'm making game. that next. What's my next movie? Stripper, male be? strippers making it. You know. What's my name? Yeah, movie? Magic Mike. Um, yeah. Like, talk about a guy who gets like a movie or two out every year. Yeah, he's yeah. consistently he pumps working. Out. So he works hard. That's really cool. But um, and funny, more... he was gonna come up in the other food for thought question. <laughs> but anyway, one. One thing I forgot real quick John and Tatum. is, I don't know how I could have not thought of this, Ridley Scott. That man has an incredibly diverse yeah. filmography. I saw I saw White Squall yesterday. Or, I think yeah, you yesterday. seen it. No, no, no. I'm saying I, I saw it at Target for uh-huh. five bucks, and I know you own it, but yes. I was going to buy it anyway. And I it's a good movie. Yeah. But it's... He's never made another movie quite like that either. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just he's very all over the place too. I wouldn't have thought of him because he usually has epics. Well, just when you think though that he's stuck in one spot, he does something different. You know what I mean? Like he he was stuck to the sci-fi thing for a little while, and then he made like a couple of crime thrillers, and then he started doing um, he did a fantasy in there, and then he did it just historical like yeah he's yeah. all over the place period pieces. And yeah. well, we can talk about the king of being erratic with directing by design, which is Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, but yeah, Danny Boyle is Danny Boyle the best example, and the quality is not waver. He makes nothing but great movies yeah. all the time, and like completely different genres because that's what he wants to do. So, um, two more quick ones that I thought of: uh, Edgar Wright's 
movies are pretty different from each other. I mean, yeah. they, they share similar themes of like yeah. comedy, but they're similar you've got and different zombie, at the same time. Zombie comedy horror, and you've got like police riff. Uh, action yeah. extravaganza. Yeah, and then Scott Pilgrim's like completely separate from. Yeah, that. I forget about Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, and um, I was gonna say Guy Ritchie, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. Not but true. when he shifted to Sherlock Holmes, I was kind of like, it's different it for him, for but him. and then Swept Away, which we don't really talk about. No, but the one I really thought of was, uh, and it made me. I thought of it even. I mean, I already, I had already thought of it, but it reinforced even more when we were talking about um, who you said Seth Gordon made a huge left turn. Uh, David Gordon Green was one that I think the whole anybody who knew who he was was like is he was making like indie like dramas like like he has this a movie I think it's I'm pretty sure it's called George Washington um it's about like this like inner city kid like struggling with like his youth and stuff yeah George Washington and then he made that Snow Angels movie with Guy Pierce and uh he was making all these like indie dramas and suddenly he's making like pineapple express and then like your highness. And he's yeah. just like, he just has just been like, I'm a total pothead now. The moment where he discovered marijuana for the first time. is <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And he was making, uh, he was making all these, like, he seemed like he, they, people were really touting him as like this up and coming, like drama, like human drama director. And then he just starts totally making just bonehead comedies all the time. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was really... He was a really weird choice. Although Your Highness is really funny. I'm sorry. Never I apologize it. for that movie. That's I will. all right. I think Snow Angels was... Oh, no. Sam Rockwell, not, not Guy Pierce. That was the one where he got... It had all this critical acclaim the year it came out. Um, I don't remember hearing anything about that. When was that? 07. Okay. It was mostly for Sam Rockwell. I think that people were like, Oh, Sam Rockwell is doing... He's got such a great streak right now. Clooney's kind of one, too, where we can say his directorial... His He's kind of hopped spotty. around the place. Yeah, a little bit. But another another actor, uh, to, like kind of like Eastwood, I think of him kind of in that camp where I think of him primarily as an actor, but his direction is really strong. I mean, uh, Ben Affleck too. Good, good, yeah, yeah. Good night, and good luck is such a good movie. It's I kind never of, saw such it. A tight. I wanted to. It's kind of like the Ar- It's kind of similar to Argo in the way that it's very tight. It's not that intense, but it's a great lean. Quick watch, and it's populated with tons of. I mean, the cast of that movie is off the hook. Off the hoot. Off the hoot. It's got Downey. It's got right. pre blow up Downey Downey Jr. Second blow up Downey Jr. Yeah. David um, Strathairn. Uh, I think Rockwell's in that one. Jeff Daniels, David Strathairn, Alex Borstein, <laughs> Tate Donovan, also from Argo. Yeah. Patricia Clarkson, Downey Jr., Clooney. Dang. They're all in this movie. Ray Wise, Robert Nepper, <laughs> from Prison Break. Yes. Nice. Yes. I like Prison Break. Of Prison Break fame. It's a cool movie. Oh yeah. All right. Anyhow. All right. Yeah, we should wrap it up. Um. So find us on Twitter. I'm at Johnny1703. You got at Hema Williak for Willie and at uh, Nick Blauvelt on Twitter for Nick. Uh, you can also follow the podcast network i actually don't remember what the twitter handle is for it, so don't follow that one because i don't use it that much yet but we'll get on that um thanks to mr john on twitter my brother for our music and artwork as always and uh sorry to kylex why 
Yeah, we'll get to Kyle XY at some point. But uh, questions, comments, whatever, food for thought questions can be sent to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. And uh, I think that's about it. So go watch a movie.